Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina Cantor's with you here for this very special bonus episode for your holiday season. Now, recently, actually it was this week, I did my very first Ask Me Anything Facebook Live video in our Facebook group, The C-Method Rockstars. If you're not yet part of the group, come on over and join us. We're The C-Method Rockstars, or you can go to thecmethod.com slash community. Now, this is an unedited, raw recording of that session. And in that session, I answered a number of questions from you, dear podcast listener. And some of these questions included, how long did it take me to see success in my coaching business? What's the difference between coaching and consulting? Um, We also talk about uh, doing internships and working with me and also advice to people who want to be self-employed. So we covered a wide range of topics here. Definitely worth a listen if you missed it the first time. And of course, come on over and join the Facebook group so you can join us for the next live Ask Me Anything. Okay, let's get straight into it. Enjoy. Oh, hey, rock stars. Welcome. Welcome to the very first Ask Me Anything live video. I'm Christina Cantor's founder of The C Method and The C Method Rockstars Facebook group. If you are watching this live, a massive welcome and hello to you. Give me a thumbs up or whatever it is or a a hey in the comments. Oh, there's Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Sahar. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. I'm just making sure that we're all good to go. Now, I've scheduled in um, an hour for this call, but we'll see how we go. If we get done earlier, that's also cool. Um, I have a few questions here that have been uh, pre-sent to me. So thank you to everyone who sent their questions in. How very organized of you. Um, If you are watching now live and you do have some questions as you're, um, you know, as I'm speaking, if something comes up, then, you know, pop your question in, in the comments and I'll see if I can answer that on the fly as well. Now, just want to make sure, can you guys hear me okay? Can I get like a thumbs up if you can hear me okay? See if I can go into the comments here. Write comments. All right, I've got a thumbs up here. All right. So I just want to make sure that you can hear me. Um, if you can't, if something happens, just let me know. Sahar says, yes, brilliant. Thank you. If something happens um, along the way and if the sound drops out or whatever, just send me like a wave and be like, we can't hear you. And then I'll I'll uh, see what we can do there. Um, okay. I am, if you see this microphone here, I am recording this. I might do, I might, I'm recording this because I might do a, uh, um, a podcast, a bonus podcast episode of this live video, um, just the audio of the recording. Um, okay. So let's go, let's do this. Um, firstly, I'm going to go through the questions that were pre-sent in to me. So the first one was from anonymous. And the question is, how long did it take you to really see success in your coaching business? So this is a, this is a great question, a really interesting one. Um, Firstly, it depends on what you define as success. And this person did write success in inverted commas, uh, inverted talking marks. Um, 
success means different things to different people. And for me, I define success as deliberately working towards a goal that you want. So it's not, for me, success is not about, um, well, here's the thing. It's very easy to get caught up in someone else's idea of success because we are constantly being marketed to, you know, there are so many Facebook ads out there that are from people promising that, you know, follow them and they'll make you a million dollars and, you know, earn this much in this many months. And and we tend to get caught up in that or, or, or for a lot of us, the idea of success is, uh, you know, in Australia in particular, in our culture, it's owning a house, you know, having a, a great marriage, owning a house, having two and a half kids, owning a great car, you know, all of those things are marketed to us as as success, you know, going on vacation twice a year or whatever, you know, and it's easy to get caught up in that. And I think the most important thing is to define what success means to you and to stick to that and to not let yourself be swayed by other people's definitions of success. Now, your definition of success might move as well. It might change. So for me, when I first started, success for me was replacing my income. So I used to be an architect and as an architect, I was earning like $50,000, $55,000 a year. And my, my, my idea of success was to replace that income. And I was able to do that in my first, not in the, not in the first year. I basically didn't work the year after I quit my job, but in the year after that, or the couple years after that, I was able to do that. Um, but after that, I kept moving the bar. So it just depends on how you define success. So I hope that that was helpful. And Leonard says, thanks for sharing. Um, I hope that, you know, hope that was helpful. Um, the next question is, what is consultation exactly? Are consultation calls the same as discovery calls? If so, do you do training in that? Okay, so this is also from Anonymous. Um, so I'll share with you the difference. So consulting, so consulting is a separate thing to a, a discovery call. So a discovery call is is kind of like a prospecting call, but I call it discovery call because what we're doing is people reach out to me. They say, hey, I really want to improve in my, my um, you know, I want to accelerate in my career. I want to build my speaking skills. I want to be more confident. I want to articulate myself better. Can, you know, what does it look like to work with you? So then we organize a discovery call where we jump on the phone and we do a video call for about an hour. And that's where we explore what the challenges are, what their goals are, what they want to achieve. And from there, we explore if working together is a good fit for both of us. So that's a discovery call. It's not really a coaching call. Um, I'm not, I don't get paid for that. People don't pay for that. That's, that's something that I do with, um, you know, with any person who comes to me and says, Hey, I want to, um, I want to improve. I want to reach my goals. Can you work with me? And I have a, a form on my website that people fill out. So I don't just work with anyone who just sends me an email and says, hey, can I work with you? I get people to fill out a form. Um, for those of you who are looking to start a coaching business or you are 
are already in a, a coaching business, um, it's really important that you pre-qualify people before you get on the phone with them because otherwise it's just going to be a waste of your time. So I always pre-qualify people. And if you want an example of this, you can go onto um, my website and go to coaching and apply. You'll see the form that I use for people to fill out before they um, before we have that discovery call. So Leonard has asked, consulting coaching differences and what type of clients would you usually deal with in the beginning? Do you mean in the beginning of your coaching business, Leonard? And what type of coaching are you are you doing? Just so that I have a better idea. Um, now, the difference between coaching and consulting, this is a great question. When you're coaching someone, a good coach helps the coachee to find the answers themselves. So a good coach doesn't um, tell someone the answer because oftentimes the coach might already know the answer. You know, a coach, if you've done a lot of work, you'll know, you'll go, oh, this person's going through this, 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 and they need to do this, this, this. But telling someone to do that is not going to make them change. It's not going to help them. It People find the most benefit from coaching when they have come to that conclusion themselves, when they have found when they have come uh, found that answer themselves and a good coach will do this by asking great questions asking thoughtful um, insightful questions and a good coach will also call someone out when they are you know making excuses or using you know language that doesn't serve them a coach will there will be there to gently um move them in the right direction, but helping them along the way and helping them um, find those answers themselves and coming to those realizations themselves. Um, with a, with um, consulting, a con- so I've done coaching and consulting and this is a great question because a consultant wears a different hat to a coach and I've had to experience, I've experienced going from coach to consultant and having to change those hats. Now, as a consultant, you are brought in to an organization or a business and they see you as the expert who has experience in that in that area and they look to you for advice. So they look to you as the expert who's going to advise them and give them your, um, uh, your best uh, approach or thoughts as to how they should do it. Okay. Now I'll give you an example of this. Now we were working with, um, so I run another business. It's called Podcast Services Australia, and we help businesses to create their own um, successful podcasts. And in that in that business, we're more of consultants. So we come in and we say, uh, a client comes to us and says, "Hey, I want a podcast. You're the experts. Um, tell us how we do this." And as consultants, we come in, we come in, we talk to them, we ask them questions, but then we say, hey, based on what you shared with us, these are our recommendations for moving forward. And I found myself getting into more of a coaching mindset and I would, I found myself saying to the clients, um, so what are your thoughts on that? And why do you think that? What do you think? Why do you think that is? So what, what do you feel would be the best way to move forward? And that's, and those are all, you know, coaching questions, right? To help the other person come to the answer themselves. And I remember we had one 
podcast client, she she said she turned to me and she said, you know, I actually have no idea about any of this, so I'd rather if you just told me what I need to do. And in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm I'm being looked to I'm being looked to as a consultant here, not a coach. So this is where I need to get my advisor hat on and say, you know, based on what we've learned about you and what you want to achieve, this is what we recommend and here's how we're going to implement it. So that is the difference that in my, you know, you may have or you may have heard other definitions, but that's how I see um, being the difference and that's what I've learned in my experience um, of working with, um, you know, working in that coaching or consulting capacity. Okay, now I've also had another question here. How and when do you ask for payment? So, again, this when you work for yourself, you can you can do whatever you want really. You can ask for payment whenever. With my coaching, I usually offer a couple of options with payments. You always want to get some form of payment before you start coaching. So you always want to I mean, this is coaching, consulting, whatever it is. In our podcast business, we ask for 50% upfront and then we ask for 50% upon delivery. You might, you know, you might ask for 25% upfront and then and then stagger the payments throughout the engagement. With my coaching, I usually offer a payment plan to clients. So I'll get, a, you know, a deposit upfront and then it might be, you know, it's split into installments over the course of the coaching but I always try to get, oh, and if I, and if it's all paid up front, then I usually offer a discount for that. You know, it's an incentive to pay it all up front in one payment. Um, otherwise it's installments throughout the, the coaching period. So I hope that answers your question, Leonard. All right, moving on. Were you self-employed in the USA? If so, how did you do taxes as a foreigner? Now, this question is referred to, referring to the time. Um, so when I was an architect working for a corporate firm, I, I decided that when I decided to leave that job, I quit and I took my life savings and I went to the US and I lived in New York City for three months. I then went to Europe for the summer and then I went back to the US. So I spent the whole year abroad. And during that time abroad, I was exploring I went to as many conferences as I could. I met as many people as I could. Um, oh, hey, Warren, welcome. Um, and I, it was a year of, I was like a sponge. I was just absorbing everything because I didn't know anything about business. And I didn't, so I didn't work per se in the US. I didn't really earn much money. I did a few coaching calls via Skype and I took payment through PayPal. So that was, I don't know if that's, you know, a bit dodgy, but I mean, I was still Australian resident traveling around, earning money, getting paid through PayPal and a lot of, you know, digital nomad style people do that. Um, You know, you don't have to be uh, a resident in that country, although I'm going to, you know, disclaimer here, like this is not my area of expertise. Um, Don't do anything illegal. Um, But to, yeah, for, to be to legally work in the U.S., I would need to get a special visa, and I did not have that, so I didn't really go out of my way to try and earn money over there. Um, so, 
yeah, so I'm not, can't really answer your question about taxes as a foreigner. That's something to talk to a, um, a tax professional about. All right, moving on to the next question. Do you do in-person internships? Like if someone lived in the USA, would you recommend them flying out to Melbourne, Australia to work with you? This is a great question. <laughs> now, when you say in, I'm not sure who asked this question, um, but I just want to get clear on what internship means. In Australia, um, we do, there are very strict laws around internships. You can offer um, free internships, so where someone comes and interns with you for free, but they, but you must be able to operate your business without them, okay? So they can't be an, an integral part of your business. Um, if it's a paid internship, at the moment, I probably – I don't have the capacity to bring on a full-time person paid and pay them an Australian wage. I'm just not at that point yet in my business, um, although that would be that would be cool. And in terms of um, people flying out, look, if that happened in the future and you wanted to fly to Melbourne, then that would be amazing. But, you know, I also work with a lot of people online. You know, most of my clients are – are online, my, you know, my online, my group program, um, that's online with people from all over the world. Um, so, yes, so I'm still not 100% sure if the if you mean like a free internship, but for clients who work with me and you could say, you know, so I've created an apprenticeship program that it's sort of, I mean, people pay to do that with me and that can be done from anywhere. Okay, so that doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in Melbourne to work with me in a coaching capacity. I hope that answers your question. Okay, I'm going to go down. Right. Next question. This is from Rachel. Rachel asks, how do you handle rejection and how to, how do you not let that stop you? Ooh, this is a big one. Um, she actually asked another question about, uh, she's mentioned that she's new to the coaching business. So I'm going to base my answer um, in reference to getting rejected as a coach. So, or as a business owner, putting yourself, putting yourself out there and getting rejected. Now, this is a huge question and this is, I could do multiple podcasts about this. Um, so what I will share is firstly, the mindset is the most important thing. Okay. The mindset is so important. Um, what really helped me and I, and this is what it's like. Okay. You sit down with someone, they're interested in working with you. And the whole time when you're in, when you're in like a scarcity mindset, you're thinking, Oh my God, please work with me. Please work with me. I really need you to work with me. And then when they say no to you, you feel so ashamed and you feel terrible about yourself and you think, oh, they didn't like me. I'm not a good person. I'm not a good coach. Um, they don't see the value in working with me. And that's so common. It comes up over and over again. So a one, one mindset you can use to shift this is to um, come into a place of – come into a mindset of abundance and love and love all your prospects, whether this, they say yes or no. Now, this was huge for me and my, my coach, Farnoosh Brock, she's amazing. She taught me this. And 
when you're, so what you do is when you're sitting with someone, you just think to yourself, I want to help and serve this person to the best of my capability, whether or not they want to work with me. Okay. Because not every prospect is going to be right for you. You don't want to work with every prospect and not every prospect's going to work, want to work with you. But if you can get into a place where you can help them no matter what, so it could be that at the end of the conversation, they say no, they say no because, you know, they, they don't see the value in investing in themselves. That might be it. They're not saying no to you as a person. They're saying no to, well, I don't, they're not, maybe they're not ready to invest in themselves, but they might be ready to invest in a book. Okay, so maybe you could recommend that they read a book. You can say, hey, this book really helped me. Maybe it'll help you. If you're not ready to invest in coaching, why don't you try this book or listen to this podcast? Um, it's a really good one. It's called Stand Out, Get Noticed. You can uh, refer that one. Um, so that is something that you can do. And then when they leave that conversation, they're feeling good because they're thinking, yes, I, you know, now I have a step, a next step of what to do. And you're feeling good because you've helped them in some capacity and you never know, they might come back down the track and say, Hey, you know what, Rachel, I'm ready to invest in myself now. Do you mind if we work together? You know, so that's, that's a much better position to be in and much better outcome than if you were to think, oh my God, they said no to me. They must hate me. I'm never gonna, ever going to reach out to them again. And I'm never, I don't ever want to talk to them again. They clearly don't like me. Okay. So that's a really powerful mindset shift. And I did a, uh, an interview with Farnoosh Brock about um, creating an abundance mindset for yourself. So if you haven't yet listened to that, I highly recommend you, you go do that. Um, something else around how to handle rejection is, and this is like, this is huge, right? But this is a, this is something you can continue to work on. And that is to believe that you are enough just as you are. Okay. You don't need anyone's approval to be okay, to be a good person. Okay. So when you get into that mindset of, you know what, I believe that I'm worthy. I believe that I am really good. I'm good enough. I don't need you to say yes to me. I don't need you to hand money over to me in order for me to feel good about myself because I feel good about myself normally as is, right? So cultivating this self-belief is so, so powerful so that when you do get that rejection, and you will, right? It's part of running a business. You will get rejected. It's totally fine. And you just go, okay, I still think I'm pretty awesome. That's cool. Next, move on to the next person, okay? Um, I actually, so I did a podcast called How to Handle Rejection. I think that's what it's called. And... Um, I'm just see maybe I could find it. If you, it's really early. It's like episode, I don't know. It's under episode twenty or something. And I tell the story of how I was rejected by a guy. I put myself out there, and he was. It was a no, and it was one of those things where it's like the worst thing that you could ever imagine 
possible happening to you. That's what, that's what it was like. And I got through it and I share my story and my lessons there. So go back and listen to that. I think it's called How to Handle Rejection and it's a very early episode. Okay, Rachel's second question is, how do you reach, to, how do you reach out to your clients? How is your podcast versus Facebook ads versus Google ads versus YouTube videos? So this is a question around client acquisition. Now, I'm just going to share with you my experience with client acquisition. It could be different for you. Okay, the important thing is to do what works for you. Now, for me, what works for me is networking and word of mouth. That's how I got all like all of my first jobs in the first year of my business. That is how I got all my clients. It was purely through networking and word of mouth. Now, I am good at networking because I am I like getting out there. I like talking to people. If you don't like networking, then this might be something for you to start uh, developing yourself in because as a coach, it's a very personal thing. So it's, I mean, for me anyway, I'm not going to go online and Google a business coach because because it's a very personal thing. It's, you've got to meet them. You've got to get to know them. So what I found was when I was starting my business, I got out there and I told people, I told people what I was doing. I said, Hey, I, you know, I do public speaking coaching. I do communication skills training. And then I put myself out there and people would say, Oh, Hey, I think I know someone who, who was looking for help with that. You know, one of my early clients, she was, she was saying to a friend of hers, right? So she said to him, you know, I think I need a confidence coach. Like she literally said, I think I need a confidence coach. And he said to her, oh my God, I know the person. I think I know who, and he connected me with her and she became a client of mine. So when you put yourself out there and you tell people, this is what I do, share your ideas. And you can say to them, hey, if you ever meet someone who who says, I need a coach in these areas, then you say, you know, you refer them to me. So that's been very, very uh, successful for me in terms of um, bringing in, bringing in contacts. Um, so that's, that's really important. Second, this is especially now, the podcast has been extremely effective. I get a steady stream of inquiries through the podcast, people asking me, you know, hey, I've been listening to your podcast every day to and from work. I love what you share. I love your style. I really want to work with you. And the podcast has been amazing for that because I'm able to present myself and who I am and my my methods, my approach. And when people hear that, they become really familiar with what I'm all about, which makes it then easy for them to make the decision that they want to work with me. Does that make sense? If I just had, you know, a, a blurb on my website, like an about page and someone read that and that's all they had, it's very difficult to gain an understanding of what I'm really like, you know, in real life, what I'm like to talk to, what I'm like to work with. So the podcast has been brilliant for that. Um, so that is the answer to that question. And I hope that was helpful, Rachel. Okay. Oh, something I wanted to add to that as well is to use the personal pitch template that I have at thecmethod.com. 
Um, if you can explain what you do clearly, that is going to help people to refer to you. It's really important. All right, let's move on to a question from Sahar. And I believe Sahar is still is watching. Sahar asks, um, around your one-on-one coaching, what's the minimum amount of time you work with someone and how often do you meet, etc.? Now, when I first started coaching Sahar, my um, minimum amount of time I worked with people when I started, it was 12 weeks. So I had a 12-week program that I worked uh, I worked with my one-on-one clients for. That is since extended to six months. So currently, my minimum amount of time that I work with someone one-on-one is six months. And the reason why it is six months is because developing your communication skills Developing your speaking skills, developing a strong mindset and applying that into your everyday communication, that takes time. That does not take a couple of sessions, you know, and I I have people write to me who ask, oh, can I book in, you know, do a session or two with you? I've got a speech coming up. I really want to do well. Can I book in? And to them, I say, I'm sorry, I'm not that type of coach. I don't do session by session coaching. And the reason why I don't do that is because in my experience, I have found that when someone comes to me and they want one session, I work with them on that one session to prepare them for an upcoming speech or presentation. And then they go away and then they come back for uh, for another session and I find that they've forgotten everything that I taught them, you know, because it's been treated as a band-aid fix. Like, oh, I'm so nervous for this presentation. Just fix me, help me. And then, and then it all just sort of disappears. The, the type of coaching that I do with clients is it goes deep, okay? It's holistic and it's long-term. So we look at, okay, what are you looking to achieve in the next year, two, two years, five years? What's the outcome you want to create for your career? Not just oh, I want to do well in my next speech. It's no, I want to, you know, improve myself long-term and I want to get to this level in my, in my career, or I want to get to this level of growth in my business. And then we look at the specific strategies that are going to get you or, you know, my client there to that point. And working on your mindset and on your speaking skills, it takes time to develop. I've been working on my speaking skills for the last five years, six years. And I'm, I still am learning every day. I'm still learning, like continuing to learn every day um, of how to improve myself and to work on my own mindset to help me become more effective. So because of all these reasons, this is why I have a longer term engagement with my clients. I'm very much results focused. So to get results, to see real solid results for my clients, which is what I want to achieve for them, it's going to take a minimum six months. It's not to say that you won't see results earlier, but in order for us to really get our teeth into working on those skills and developing them and giving them the time they require to develop, and to stick as well, it takes time. And I did a podcast recently. Um, it's called The Little Things 
I'm just going to bring it up here. Why the little things matter. Why little things matter to your overall success. It was last week's episode, episode 190. There I talk more in detail about why, you know, you're not just going to get better with public speaking in one session or one one great presentation is not going to make you a great speaker. It takes time and it takes little effort every single day in order to get there. Can you hear that outside? It's um it's kind of it's lunchtime here at my co-work space, so there's a lot of chatter around, so I'm sorry if that's a bit distracting for you. Oh, and how often do we meet? We meet twice a month. So that's via in terms of the one-on-one coaching. Twice a month for 90 minutes, we may go over depending on what we're working on, but generally around 90 minutes. Um, now, if you are interested in learning more about how the coaching works, then like I mentioned before, I have an application form on my uh, website on thecmethod.com slash coaching, thecmethod.com slash coaching. And, um, and this is what we explore in the discovery call, you know, what sort of minimum time frame. Um, you know, how long are we going to work together? What sort of results are we going to create for you? And what do we do in between the sessions as well? Because there's a lot that goes on there. Um, and what is that value that we're going to create for you? So I hope that was helpful, Sahar. Okay. Next question is from Mike, who says, Hi, Christina. I'm a web developer turned consultant and speaker. Congratulations. Um, I started my speaking journey beginning this year. I would like to know the best ways of memorizing a speech. Mm, This is a great question. My answer to this question is, well, firstly, I never try to memorize a speech, ever. And I recommend that you do not try to do this either. The reason for this is when we try to memorize a speech, oh, hi, Terry. We also have Lynn watching. Hello. Um, when you try to memorize a speech, a speech, it forces you to try and memorize every single word. And all you do is spend your energy on trying to memorize what you're on remembering what are you going to say next. And the problem with this is if you forget one sentence, it completely knocks you off track and you go, oh crap, I forgot a sentence. What's the next sentence? And you're trying so hard to focus on that sentence. And it's a, it's a beautiful way to derail yourself. Um, also when you memorize a speech, when you try to memorize a speech, the audience can tell that you're not, here's the thing, you're not connected to your message and you're not connected to your audience. You're only connected to the words you're saying. Now a really effective speech, and if you're going to be a professional speaker and, um, you know, want to influence and inspire your audiences to do that. It's about sharing a message that gets them engaged and it's about connecting with the audience. And to connect with the audience, you've got to show that you're human. You've got to show that you're vulnerable. You've got to share stories. You've got to engage with them and see how they're reacting. And it's impossible to do that when you're focused on memorizing every single line perfectly. The audience doesn't want to see you deliver a perfect speech. Okay, the audience wants to see you be human, and this includes messing up, stumbling. That's okay, maybe forgetting where you are. That's okay too, because after all, we are human and we are going to make mistakes. Um, 
I was at a conference the other day and I was getting really tired because you're sitting in like a dark auditorium for hours. And the last speaker came on and I was like, oh, I just want to leave. And Aaron said, no, 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 we'll just stay for this one last woman. And she got on and she was so hilarious in the fact that she would skip forward a slide and she would say, oh, oops, that's not my slide. And she'd go back. And then she, you know, she said, oh, you know, my mum told me that I shouldn't wear this dress because it doesn't look very professional. But I thought, whatever, I'm just going to wear it anyway. Do you guys like it? And she was the most human, um, you know, humorous and wonderful speaker and everyone loved her. And she was my favorite speaker of the day. And she absolutely did not follow a script whatsoever. So if you can, I encourage you, I absolutely encourage you to don't try to memorize your speech. Instead, focus on the message you want to share um, and focus on the end goal. You know, what's the end goal of your presentation? Is it to say a perfect speech? Probably not. It's probably to, you know, inspire the audience to take action or to do something or to think differently. And when you have that as your goal, it doesn't matter how you get there. You know, it's like you've got this end goal. I don't know if you can see, end goal. And you've planned out your way to get there. If you go this way, but you still get there, that's totally all right. If you go this way and that way and get there, that's totally fine. What you don't want to do is lock yourself in and go, I must do it this way. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. Um, I've done a podcast about how to overcome your perfectionism. That might be a good one for you to listen to if you're feeling like you have to memorize your speech. Also, having said all that, there is a technique that you can use to help yourself memorize the sections, right? So let's say you've broken it down into sections. Um, There is a a technique called the memory palace technique that you can use. And we talk about that in um, a podcast that I did with Bill um, Aronson. He's a a memory uh, specialist, a memory coach. If you go to thecmethod.com slash Bill, B-I-L-L, That'll take you to the podcast. So I uh, hope that that helps. So that way you won't need to use notes or anything. It's a great technique. Okay, moving on to the next question. Any advice to anyone who wants to be self-employed? Motivation, money management, pros and cons. This is a big question. Okay, I'm going to – all right, firstly – Disclaimer, what I'm about to share is it's my experience of running a business, okay? So this is my experience. Running a business can look like so many different things. There are so many different types of businesses. You might be running a a huge business with, you know, 100 or 1,000 employees. You might be running a product business where you're manufacturing teddy bears or baby bottles or whatever, Um, gym towels, you know, you might be doing that. You might be a coach, you might be a consultant. There are so many different ways. So I'm sharing what I, I'm going to share my experience from running a business. Now I'll share with you the pros. Okay. Pros of being self-employed. For me, I get to work my own hours. I don't have anyone telling me that I have to be somewhere at a certain time, which is amazing. Um, You can change things up when you want. So, you know, like I was saying before, I used to have a coaching program that was 12 weeks long. I've since changed that to be a six-month program. 
uh, just recently I added a apprenticeship program to, you know, some, some of the offerings I have, you know, and I can just do that whenever I want. There's no one telling me, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, you know, you can't do that. You can't do this. I can do whatever the heck I want really, which is a very cool, uh, pro to being self-employed. You have that flexibility and freedom. Um, Leonard, I see your question. Thank you. I will, I will get to that. Um, now the fact that you can do whatever you want is also a con because you have so much choice. There are so many things you can do. It's very easy to get overwhelmed with all of the choices because it's like, well, I could offer a six month program, but I could offer, why wouldn't that be a four month or why don't I do a mastermind group? Why don't I do group coaching? Why don't I do this or that? And it can really be overwhelming. So you have to pick something. And I guess this is a, another lesson. It's, you've got to always be, you're constantly learning and evolving. So being open to change and not being afraid to ditch an old methodology or an old product and moving forward with a new one, you have to continue to stay relevant and continue to check in with yourself. So, you know, running your own business, it requires a high level of self-awareness I mean, I guess doing anything, I mean, if you want to be successful in, in your career as well, requires a high level of awareness because you need to be checking in with yourself and going, am I enjoying what I'm, what I'm doing? Am I loving this? Is it bringing me joy? And if it's not, what do I need to do to change it? You know, um, going, you know, our other business, uh, Podcast Services Australia, that is a very different business to the, to the C method and when we were getting busy with client work, I found myself doing more project management work, which was a lot of emails back and forth and checking in, you know, do we have this? Do we have that? Putting it all together. And by the end of the day, I was feeling so exhausted. I was feeling frustrated and grumpy and unfulfilled. And very early on, I realized project management, not for me. I am not good with detail. I'm not good with chasing things up and it is not something I want to do as opposed to I can go and speak to a, a large audience for an hour. I can facilitate a workshop for 30, you know, corporate women and I come away and I'm energized to the max and I love it. And I just feel, I feel so fulfilled. I feel like I've accomplished something incredibly meaningful. And when I come away from that, I just go, you know what, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Okay. Oh, Leonard, that's your strength, project management. Maybe you can be our project manager. We need one. Um, so it's about knowing your strengths and being aware. You know, when something feels like a chore, if it feels really hard and you just it's just not part of your skill set, then you need to reevaluate and go, well, maybe this is not what I'm meant to be doing. So you learn a lot about yourself when you are, you know, self-employed. Uh, okay, going back to pros and cons. Oh, more pros. There is no limit to how much you can earn. It's so great. You can change your prices whenever you want. I found that when I was employed, your employer controls how much you earn. You know, they control what your pay grade is. They control how much bonus you get, if you get a bonus at all. And it's, you make incremental changes. And oftentimes if you want to make a big leap in your income, you have to change companies. 
you know, with a business, you can do that yourself. There's no one telling you how much you can charge, right? You can go from being an hourly coach, you know, by charging by the hour to charging for, you know, like a six month or a 12 month program. That's what, that's what I did. Mm, What else? Now the con of that, right, is you're constantly fighting self-doubt, constantly. You know, we were talking about rejection before, but um, a lot of coaches or people who are self-employed struggle with charging appropriately for their services because they're battling these inner thoughts of no one's going to pay that much, I'm not worth that much, you know, what if they say no? Um, and so that's something really, that's, that's an incredible thing to um, to recognize and then to start, you know, getting into the that abundance mindset and being okay with charging more. Again, if you want to learn more about that, read Farnoosh Brock's book. That was a mouthful. Farnoosh Brock's book, The Serving Mindset. She goes into that in detail and it's incredible. The Another pro to running your own business is you can make your business work for you and your lifestyle. Now, this is – I have designed my business to work for me and my lifestyle. So, for example – I don't want to travel a whole lot, so I do my coaching calls by via video, right? Um, or I say no, I turn down engagements and people say, oh, can you come to Sydney? If I don't want to travel, I say no, I'm, I'm not coming to Sydney, you know, unless you pay me lots of money. Otherwise, I'm not you know, not going to come. Um, I can I've, – I've created my business so I can work from anywhere. So I'm coming to the US in August – August, September this year and uh, next year for the podcast movement conference in Florida. I'll also be going to New York city and LA as well. Cause Aaron, my partner wants to go to the new star Wars world. So if anyone is, if you, if you're in Orlando or New York, hit me up, you know, we should totally do a meetup or something. Um, but I can still work from while I'm traveling. You know, I'm not, I don't allow that to hold me back. So that's how I've designed my business around my lifestyle. Now, a lot of people start their own businesses with the intention of, you know, I'm going to have more free free time, more flexibility, you know, it's going to work with my lifestyle. And then they end up creating their business that actually locks them down and, and eats up more and more and more of their time. So if we're using a coaching example, if you're a coach and you only do in-person sessions and you charge by the hour, the more clients you get, the, the busier you are and the less time you have. And this is not scalable. This is not going to scale for you. But if you are a coach who charges, you know, a good amount of, uh, of money for your services and you meet via video, you can, you can scale that business as well, all right? You can, and you, you can then maybe start to hire an assistant to help you with your admin and, um, and design your business that way. You know, you can automate things. So there are ways that you can design your business. So just because it, being self-employed does not automatically mean that you're going to have more time and more flexibility, okay? You've got to be very careful about how you build your, um, how you design your business. Um, Lynn says in episode nine, 190, I was amazed to learn how crucial relationships are. I have learned this in my professional life, but it is sometimes easy to forget when you're focused on professional. Do you mean professional tasks, Lynn? Um, 
Yes, but I absolutely agree. Um, relationships are critical. And this is another pro of being self-employed is you get to meet so many amazing people. You know, when I first started my business, um, I had to make a whole new group of friends because most of my existing friends didn't get it. They didn't understand what it's like to start your own business, which is totally understandable. It's fine. Um, but when I went traveling, when I went to the US, I I um, went to meetup groups, I went to conferences, and I met all these incredible people who were so supportive. This is why America will always hold a special place in my heart because I went there and I was like, I'm Christina, I'm from Australia, and I've started a podcast, and I'm a coach, and I'm doing all these things. And people going, oh, that's fantastic. Good for you. That's fantastic. Amazing. You should be my buddy. Hey, come on over here. And I was like, oh, you're helping me. It's so great. You know, I went back home and people were like, so are you going to go back to architecture? I remember one um, friend actually said to me, oh, so you're giving this business thing a real crack then? It's a term we have in Australia, you know, you give it, you give it a crack, like you give it a go. And I remember thinking, what do you mean give it a crack? This is what I do now. Like I, this is, I am this, I do this. I'm not, it's not something I'm just giving a crack. So I went out and made new friends. So this is something that running your own business is amazing for. You get to meet beautiful, smart, wonderful, supportive people that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I've met people through my podcast. I've met people through going to conferences, through networking events, um, through, you know, my Facebook group, you know, meeting like-minded people who are, who have the same mindset as you are so valuable and they will make or break your experience. You know, you've got to have a support group around you. This is why I created a, um, a group coaching program, you know, which I'm running at the moment. We're about to wrap up and to have, to have this group of women who are all going through very similar things. I'm seeing how amazing it is that they're all supporting each other in the Slack channel that we have, the private Slack channel, and they're all supporting each other and encouraging each other. And they feel that support from the group. Um, and being around those, you know, like-minded people is just incredible. So I'm seeing it, I've seen it not just with myself, but also with my clients as well. Now, I want to go back to one of Leonard's questions, which is lots of consulting and coaching companies get sued in the US. Mm, gotta love the US. How and what insurance do you get? This is a great question and this is really important. If you're going to be running your own business, you absolutely need insurance. The insurance that I've purchased is professional indemnity insurance. That's the first type. This insurance is this insurance protects you if you give advice. So this is for people who are giving advice, like coaches and consultants. If you give advice and someone like your client follows that advice and then something bad happens because of that advice, they can then sue you for being, you know, negligible, neg not negligible. <laughs> not negligible, for um, the negligence, that's the word. They can sue you for negligence. For example, um, as an architect, you are incredibly liable. This is one reason why I left architecture. Because if you say to a client, um, oh, you know, we're going to put in a window here and it's going to be, you know, this is what we're going to put in here. And then the builder puts the window in and then the window falls 
out and kills someone on the street, you can get sued for your bad advice. Um, in my case, let's say, for example, I have a coaching session with someone and I say, um, oh, put your hand up at work and, and speak up at work, you know, share your idea, whatever it is. And then they go out and they do that. And then their boss says, and then they get laughed at or something. This is highly unlikely, by the way, highly unlikely. Um, let's say their boss laughs at them and says, that's a stupid idea. And then they get so upset that they become depressed, let's say. And then they sue me because your advice then led to me getting depression. Now, again, highly unlikely, highly unlikely. I hope never happens or probably never happen. Um, but that's what professional indemnity covers you for. Another type of insurance is uh, public liability insurance. So this is if someone comes to your office and they trip over and they hurt themselves, you're insured for to cover their damages. So those are the two main um, insurances that you that you might want to look at getting at as a coach or consultant. Okay. Now, what else did we have here? Anthony had a question. Anthony says, any tips on how a new small business can get in front of and land their first corporate client contract? Ooh, getting into corporate. Now this, this can be tricky or it can be easy. Depends on how you go. Um, my advice would be, firstly, see who you know who has an in to corporate. Okay, so ask around. Use your existing networks. Find out who work like, like pick a big corporate that you want, you know, ANZ, Telstra, um, you know, BP, whatever. I mean, these are Australian corporates, you know, and then they have thousands of employees. I'm sure someone you know works there or knows someone who works there. So if you can, um, ask for those contacts. And then from there, what you can do is to see if you can get a coffee, you know, buy someone a coffee, you know, catch up with them for 15 minutes and ask them for their advice. You know, you're not selling them something. You're just saying, hey, I've got this thing. I I'd, I'd lo would love to hear your advice. Um, you know, give them a compliment or two, make them feel good about themselves. Say, can I buy you coffee? It'll only take 15 minutes. And then from there, share your idea with them and then get their opinion. You can treat it as research, you know, ask, you know, make it like research. And then from there, you can at least you've got a foot in the door and you've got the conversation going. And then from there you can see, you know, they might then be interested, oh, so what tell me more about this thing that you're doing. So that's something you can do. Another, just seeing what comments we have here. Okay. Another thing you can do to get your foot in the door is to get really creative and think outside the box and do something to surprise them. Now, I've had success with this and I've also helped clients to do this as well where um, – so I, to give you an example, I had some clients who are builders and I believe um, Adam is in this group actually, Adam Wolf, and we helped him to make a video to reach out to an architect client that he really, really wanted. And he said, look, it's really hard to get – in front of these architects because they're so busy, they get so many emails. So we help them to script and create a really short, like 30 seconds, short, simple, fast paced, you know, so bang, 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 um, really fast video 
and they sent it to the architect. And the architect not only wanted to sit down with them, but sent them a job to quote. So said they sent them a job and said, hey, can you quote this for us? Um, before they'd even met with them, which is unheard of. And I've had um, I've had success with this in reaching out to people to interview on my podcast. Um, I made a video for Pat Flynn. This was going back a number of years now um, from the Smart Passive Income podcast. He said yes when he was saying no to everyone else purely because of my video. Same with Andrew Warner from the Mixergy podcast. He says no to everyone, but he said yes to me. Um, and you can listen to that interview. I think it's episode four. It's very early on. So if you can, you know, do something that is different. It is and stands out. It will get you noticed. Promise. Hi, mum. Everyone say hi to my mum, Clara Chingsum Canters. She's the best. Hi, mum. Thanks for joining us. Okay, I have four minutes left. Is anyone who's watching, this is your time. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer right now, uh, now is your time. Otherwise, I'm going to pick another one from the list here. But you are welcome to post in a question. All right, I'm going to go back to... All right, so I'm going to go back to... How do we stay motivated as someone who is self-employed? Motivation. Um, oh, Sahar has a question. What's your favorite workshop activity to get the audience moving? Mm, so this is great to do at the start. Great to get people moving. Um, let me see. Favorite activity to get the audience moving. Well, it could be as simple as standing up and stretching. So let's say you're doing a long workshop and, you know, you've come to the end of one section. As a, You can take a quick break in between the sections and say, all right, everyone stand up. And you get them to just stand up like this and you stretch the side like that, right? Shake their shoulders out. Um, it's really nice to just get them breathing. So that's a really good, good thing to do to get them moving. Um, something that I do is this can integrate with another activity you're doing. You, if you're getting them to write down something or think about something, you get them to turn to the person next to them and share what they have just written down. Or you can get them to stand up and move to another seat and get them to talk to someone they haven't yet spoken to or met. Okay, so that's something you can do as much as you want. So you can get them to stand up, move seats, do that as much as you want. They might find it a little bit annoying, but it gets them moving, which keeps their energy going. So that's uh, a couple of things that you can do. Okay. I wonder if, um, oh, one thing I want to share quickly was around that motivation thing. How do you decide how to stay, how do you stay motivated? With, with staying motivated, if you're doing what you love, it's easy. Um, when you are getting feedback from people saying, thank you for what you do, this is great you know, very helpful, that's motivating. So if you're struggling to stay motivated, get out there and ask your clients or ask your audience, you know, what is it you find valuable about the work that, that I do? You know, what help has helped you the most? Or ask for a testimonial. Getting, these, getting feedback like this will really help to, um, you know, help you to stay motivated. Um, I could go on and on and on about that, but that's just going to be one thing that, that I share. Um, 
I actually, anytime I get a really nice tweet or a nice, a beautiful email or a comment, I take a screenshot and I put it into a folder in my Evernote. It's called Crush It. And if ever I'm feeling a little bit meh, I go to my Crush It folder and I read all the beautiful comments that people have written. Um, so that's, you know, that's how I stay motivated. And Leonard, final question. Is this your podcast room? I love the purple mic. Um, this is a meeting room at my co-work space. This is not my podcast room. I podcast at home, um, but today I was working from this space. So this is my mic here and this is not – this is actually like a – oh, those of you listening at home, you can probably hear me touching that, <laughs> touching the mic. Um, that's the pop filter. And what I do is – see if I can bring this over. This is what I use to record. I use a Zoom H5 to record my podcast and I literally just plug the mic into the zoom and that's all and the zoom plugs into the wall if I don't have battery for it um and it's super portable I just put it in a little bag and off I go and I can podcast pretty much anywhere this room is a little bit echoey I prefer to podcast in the media room here at my co-work space but it's they're uh, doing works on it like it's unusable at the moment so um I'm in the meeting room. So you don't have to have a perfect space to podcast. You can podcast from home. Okay. Sahar says, this was such a great session. Thanks for being so candid with the audience, Christina. You are very welcome. So that brings us to the end of our very first Ask Me Anything session. I hope you found it useful. Um, I will most likely do another one of these. So you're very welcome to email me your questions for the next one, cc at thecmethod.com. And or, or post in the Facebook group and I'll make sure to keep a note of them there and I'll let you know when the next one is. Um, if you enjoy this video, please give it a thumbs up. Please um, share it. We'll get your friends to join this group, the C Method Rockstars, and share it with them. And, um, and also oh, I will be releasing this on the podcast as well as a bonus episode. So make sure you, um, you, know, you grab that and also share it with, with people who are not yet subscribed. Thank you so much again for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful week. And if I don't speak to you before Christmas, have an amazing Christmas. Okay, bye. So I hope you enjoyed that very first Ask Me Anything session. If you have a burning question you would like to be answered, then you're welcome to email it to me. My email is cc at thecmethod.com or post it in the Facebook group. And I'll be more than happy to compile those questions and answer them on the next in the next session. Now, before I leave you, I just want to say a massive thanks for being a podcast listener. And if you are enjoying this podcast, then, you know, I don't ask for this very often, but it would be amazing if you could leave a review in iTunes. That helps the podcast to get discovered by more people and pushes the podcast up the ranks as well. So it helps the show to be more successful. So once this podcast ends, actually, you can pause it right now, stop it right now and go, if you have an iPhone, go to the podcast main page and scroll down to where it says write a review and give us a, a, an honest review. Let us know that you're enjoying the show and hit submit. And that's all you need to do. So thank you so much. Okay, that brings us to the end of this very special bonus episode. Have a wonderful Christmas and I'll see you for the regular installment of the, of the Standout Get Noticed podcast next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Standout Get Noticed. Take care.